Welcome to Super Duperstitious, formerly Finland's third most popular natural sciences podcast. <laughs> now probably out of ranking. It's in and out. <laughs> That's what they like. Either way, I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And we are finally back. We are back indeed. in the old chairs. Mm-hmm. Got the old mics booted up. And they are old mics. Uh, they, when we started recording the podcast, they were obsolete. <laughs> I had to find one for you that was just like mine. I had to like look around on eBay to see. <laughs> Did anyone still sell these? It's like an old dusty. <laughs> it like hangs down from my ceiling. Basically, <laughs> I have to hold on to it to stabilize it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's like a thirty dollars microphone. When I first got it was my first baby's first microphone when I was um, like. Uh. 23 and uh that was a rolled doll book i believe it is indeed and uh what are we talking about what is this show we talk about spooky things we examine them from (laughs) a scientific perspective we both have backgrounds in biology yeah friends i think i I seem to remember (laughs) that being the case anyway it's been a while and we combine those talents to uh bring you just the top most quality of content on a now semi-monthly basis. <laughs> yep. We appreciate all of you for bearing with us. Hope you got our little message last yeah. week. And uh, we're, we're excited to be back, back with you for a more regular output. This is a quick reminder about the merchandise giveaway. Yeah. Brought it up last week. We know all of you folks out there listening are, are people who want to help any way you can. And we want to, <clears throat> want to facilitate keeping the momentum <laughs> going as time keeps moving onward. So... We introduced a merch giveaway where if you take any kind of action to just help the movement, whether it's um, donating if you can or else just signing petitions or anything like that, if you send us to our Instagram or to our Twitter or to Facebook or even to an email screenshot of what you're doing to keep stuff going, then we'll enter you in our little raffle for some free merch. Yes, indeed. Every single screenshot of another novel contribution, maybe you just said this, Jake, is another ticket, basically. So... Mm-hmm. The more things you do, the more chances you have to win an item of your choice. From our little shop we got. And uh, if you if it wasn't abundantly clear from last week, this is all with regard to the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't down with that, uh, go read some books. Yeah. We'll shout up some stuff towards the end of the episode. Um, specific things you can check out. We'll try and do this every episode. Other things you can help with too, like if there's COVID relief efforts and stuff around that you want to help with, that's also super that's cool. That's also cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot true. of different ways that you can be an active citizen, and we appreciate all of it. Yes, indeed. So I can just sense with my spider sense that you have an update about something. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that is. that um, is. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had one of these. I actually don't remember when the last episode was when we did it, and it may have been the most recent episode i don't know it's been so long but i think it's time we had an update on the phantom of the chicago oh my if you're listening for the first time or if like me you've just forgotten everything that's happened before now <laughs> yeah. uh the phantom of the chicago is the name given by all mutually agreed upon name for the uh, creature or creatures that have been sighted mostly since 2017 in the greater Chicagoland area. You could even say unanimously agreed upon. Mm-hmm. A big flying bat monster thing with glowing red eyes, uh, humanoid in in shape, huge. I think I already said giant, so that's covered. 
It's another word meaning big. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, people keep talking about it. And so I keep talking about it. And that's what it is. <laughs> if you really, uh, if you are actually new to this, I first cover it in a big full-on episode, deep dive, episode two. So way back when we've just been covering it. Uh, Lon, <laughs> Lon Strickler of phantomsandmonsters.com is a big part of this, but I'm not actually going to talk to Lon today. Uh, we're instead, oh my. our first story is from a UFO Clearinghouse. Why not? Ooh. <laughs> Let's so that's go there. Got Manuel. your membership card out. <laughs> Got your big old grocery cart. Uh, Manuel Navarrete is the proprietor of that website, and uh, he likes to make all of his sighting things sound very official. Date of the sighting, May 31st, 2020. Time of the sighting, approximately 7.30 a.m. Weather conditions, partly cloudy, but with a high cloud ceiling. Winds were light. The original email from the witness. Good morning. I wanted to reach out to you in regards to an incident that occurred on the morning of Sunday, May 31st, 2020. A little bit of critical information first. My name is Redacted, and I'm a pilot for Redacted. (laughs) I was flying into O'Hare International Airport at approximately 7.30 a.m. that morning. Uh, As we're taxiing off the active runway and toward the terminal, I spotted something out of the corner of my eye. I turned to see a large, black, human-like creature flap up and into the sky. I saw this creature for about four seconds before he flew up and above the cockpit window and out of sight. I immediately shouted it out to my co-pilot, who caught a glimpse of it before it flew out of sight. We were both awestruck by this sighting, and it left us dumbfounded. Hmm. Both awestruck and dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. You know it's serious. I radioed mm-hmm. the incident to the ATC, who made a note of the incident. The rest of the flight was uneventful, and we disembarked our passengers without incident. I brought this incident up. Well, not really a flight if it's literally taxiing into the uh, gate, but carry on. True. <laughs> that was the very last part of the flight that uh, <laughs> didn't include any of that. Uh, One might even call it after the flight. Exactly. <laughs> I brought this incident up amongst colleagues online and was told by several other pilots that they had seen, uh, either seen or heard from others who have seen the exact same thing that we saw. This I like the that ab- the guy really spoke like a pilot, too. Carry on. <laughs> Shut up, what? <laughs> I uh, brought this incident up uh, amongst colleagues. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, much, much better. Thank you. This is the abbreviated version of this incident, but I hope it helped to relay the incident that occurred to me and my co-pilot on that morning and what we saw. Investigator's notes. I spoke with a witness regarding sighting. He said that he and his co-pilot had just landed and were in the process of taxiing off the main runway and making their way to the terminal when they had their sighting. Good when summary. asked, the witness stated that they were flying a Boeing 777-200ER. The witness says, and then he just fucking repeats everything I just read as is his style. Um, when I asked if he could put me in touch with the pilot to co- um, with the co-pilot to corroborate evidence and get reports of other sightings, he said he would ask, and if something came up, then he would contact me with the information. Uh, I asked several questions meant to mislead and to give him a chance to change his story, but the pilot stuck with the original sighting details. Further investigation is a necessity for this sighting as it is the investigator's opinion that this is a credible sighting and worthy of follow-up. Hmm. So this is something Manuel has used this tactic uh, before in a sighting I've read on this show. It manages to sound like surface-level due diligence until you read into it at all. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, I deliberately asked misleading questions about the email that the witness had sent me, and he corrected mm-hmm. me, referring back to the email that he sent me. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like it's an it's, eyewitness yeah. report where he's just from memory saying the exact same story back to you. That's like, a oh, much no, stronger he... trap in that kind of case, yeah. Right, and it's like, oh, he sent me an email, and then I asked him questions. It's like, no, this is what I said in my email. Right. 
But don't worry, Wyatt. Here's another one from the same website, UFO Clearinghouse. Oh this is from June 22nd. 20% discount on two stories. <laughs> My name is Bruce, name change per witness request, and I'm a pilot for Redacted and have... His name is actually just Bruce. <laughs> yep. And have been with Redacted since 2008. <laughs> I previously flew for Redacted and before that served for six years in the United States Redacted... No, Air Force. Um, <laughs> I have over 9,000 hours of flight time and have flown a variety of aircraft in my careers in virtually all types of weather. The incident I'm about to tell you happened on Thursday, August 8th, 2019 at O'Hare International Airport at approximately 1,800 hours. I had flown into O'Hare the previous day and had stayed at a hotel for the night. I was due to fly out at uh, 2,000, I guess is how you say it, to the UK, so about 8 p.m. I was taking the airport shuttle toward the terminal. As I looked out the window, I saw a large human with enormous wings and glowing red eyes perched upon a rail and looking straight at me. The being appeared to be uh, appeared to be squatting down on the rail, but had its wings completely open and moved them slowly as he stared at the shuttle bus as we drove by. I knew it was watching me as its head swiveled and followed the shuttle as we passed. Its eyes mm. locked on me the entire time. I was startled and I'll admit, very frightened. Not only by this encounter, but the absolute boldness of this thing as it did not move or attempt to hide itself as we approached, knowing that it could be clearly seen. Hmm. We passed it on the outside lane and were at our closest proximity, 15 feet away from where it was perched. It never once flinched or attempted to hide itself. It just stayed put and watched as we passed. Hmm. When we passed, I attempted to look back and see if it was perched there. I saw nothing and can only assume that it must have flown off when we passed. I've heard the stories of the O'Hare Mothman, or as some have called it, Batman, but I simply dismissed them as nothing more than fantasy, an urban legend that was associated with an already spooky airport. I mean, who mm -hmm. hasn't heard of the weird UFO sightings over O'Hare and stories of ghosts and whatnot? Me. Me as well. I have not heard any of those, but I guess we have now. What happened to me that evening changed my entire view of those stories. So when I saw the posts asking for pilots to step up forward and share their stories... I took advantage of the opportunity to tell my encounter with the O'Hare Mothman. Hmm. Sounds like he's sh sharing the story with the Mothman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of the report. It says, investigator notes. Again, he literally just repeats everything from the email, but more slowly. Mm. The witness presented airline company and federal <laughs> identification to prove his employment and also showed me photos of his time with his previous employer and his military service. Jeez. Witness also answered any and all questions regarding his background and sighting without hesitation and did not deviate from his initial sighting report. It is the opinion of the investigator that this witness is credible and has satisfied all claims as to his employment and background. I find his setting as valid and worthy of follow-up investigation and further research. He's asking him a question about his background. He's like, so what was your favorite subject in school? The guy's like, math. He's like, how many dates did you go on in your whole life? He's like, 455. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting. A lot of stuff popping off at O'Hare, it sounds like. Yeah, so that's uh, just some more stuff in the... Uh, in the annals of Chicago Batness. I guess it is the airport of the Phantom of the Chicago. That's right. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> um, wow. Nice. I'm very happy to have the updates. I cannot wait for more. I'm sure there will be some. Mm -hmm. Especially if the lawnmower man has anything to say about it. That's right. about it. Well, dare we dive right in to yes. listener stories. Listener stories. We've done this once before. Uh, but we have some more and you guys have all been nice enough to send them in to us and then we've just sat on them for, in some cases, months. So we're going to read them. We got them and yeah. we're going to, we're going to share them for you now. 
That's right, because there's nothing better than going on vacation and then turning in someone else's homework. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I will go first because I've decreed it. <laughs> well, it's also an odd number episode, so you should go first. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a method to the uh, whole deal. Indeed. I did not say it with such confidence because Jake structured this for us both. <laughs> I said it with my heart of hearts. All right. So this is from Sean, who sent this story also to Real Life Ghost Stories, which I'm sure about 95% of our listeners also listen to. <laughs> so maybe we'll have beat them to this uh, reading. If so, in your face. If not, ours is better. Mm-hmm. Eat it. Um, he begins. <clears throat> Four years ago, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment on the southwest side of Las Vegas, just behind the east side Canary Casino. Canary? Canary? <laughs> uh, it was renovated. Plenty, there's plenty more of that. Um, no offense, Sean. Uh, it was renovated, affordable, quiet, but most of all, it was mine. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to share the space with anyone. So Sean was basically four years ahead of flattening the curve. Way to go, Sean. Uh, (laughs) About a month after moving in, I was working swing shift. I was a security dispatcher for a major strip casino at the time. Sounds hot. I would get home around midnight, stay up until 5 a.m., and then sleep until about noon. The first occurrence involved the apartment doors. There was a front door and two sliding glass doors. I would get up to get ready for work, and all the doors would be unlocked and slightly ajar. Mm. Never mind the absolute waste of AC, the neighborhood was not that safe, and this was a great way to get robbed. And if you're asking me, Sean, that actually sounds like a terrible way to get robbed. (laughs) For about a week... I would wake up to find the doors like this and have to close and lock all of them. Finally, I found ways to jam and or barricade the doors to keep them from opening, and this occurrence ended. Nothing ever went missing or was stolen. I also was unable to leave the apartment for several months. (laughs) Yeah. Not long after, uh, sorry, not long after this, I was sleeping on my left side and was startled awake by a man screaming into my right ear. Oh. Ah! A real quick shout. (laughs) And then I saw the shadowy bulk of a figure run out of my room through the adjoining bathroom, and then I heard the front door slam open. I flopped out of bed when the shout woke me up. So I sat stunned on the floor for a good hour before I worked up the courage to check the apartment and make sure I was alone. Now, if that's me, I'm falling back asleep on the floor. (laughs) I heard the front door slam open, but when I managed to finally peek into the living room, all the doors were barricaded and locked just like I left them. And now again, I do have to admit, when I hear Sean say he's barricaded and locked the doors, I am imagining every time he comes home at like 12 a.m., Jake, (laughs) he has to hammer like 30 (laughs) planks of wood into the windows and doors, (laughs) stack up all the furniture, and also lock each entrance. Anyway. Well, after a certain point, you develop a system where you have like bolts in place so you can just slide stuff on and just tighten the nuts on it, and then you don't have to keep it. Oh, that's a good idea. When you said system in place, I immediately imagined... Planks of wood with nails hammered through them already, and that would be swung up on ropes to the ceiling, like in a big, giant, pulley retractable system, that you'd cut some lever and somehow get enough weight to drop to the floor. Just slam it. Just slam them into the walls. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Say what? There's more than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Uh, Right. He is finding all the doors are still barricaded. 
Shortly thereafter, I began having particularly grotesque and extremely lucid nightmares. This is nothing new. It has happened six or seven times a year my whole life. But now, it was nearly every single time I slept. Hmm. The lucid nightmares turned into sleep paralysis and eventually into what doctors suspected were seizures. Wow. And this is where I feel like Sean's story is really starting to take off. (laughs) As the dreams and sleep paralysis devolved into seizures, phenomena in the apartment picked up as well. The pipe under my bathroom sink began oozing oily black water. The complex sent a man three times to fix it and even inspected the unit connected to mine, but could never identify the problem or make it stop. I have old videos of the smelly water I sent to the apartment manager. Myself and neighbors would all come rushing outside during the day because we had heard what sounded like impossibly loud thunder or explosions above our building, only to see the sky was clear and nothing was wrong. Two people lived in the unit above mine. We kind of descend into like snapshot memories here. Mm -hmm. Two people lived in the unit above mine and both died in their sleep in their bedroom, which was directly above my own. Both were old, so I don't think it was strange. And the heat here can kill the elderly if they're not able to afford running the AC in the summer. In between upstairs tenants, I could hear banging and dragging sounds during the day. When I would call to complain, I was told that was impossible as the unit was vacant. During the last year I lived there, I was woken up at four in the morning, now being on day shift, by a man screaming so loudly and horribly in the unit above me, I was convinced I was hearing a murder take place. I dialed 911, but the phone clicked and buzzed and shut off. Turn it back on, dial, and again, same thing. Over and over for about five minutes. Finally giving up, 911 calls me back. Excuse me, did you call 400 times? (laughs) Yeah. Stop fucking calling us. I describe what I'd heard, and they send police right away. The whole time this is taking place, I'm standing in my kitchen looking out the window to try and see if anyone leaves the upstairs unit, which, as a listener, I have questions about the layout of this building now. I'm not sure how this works. I don't know how (laughs) you stand in the kitchen to see upstairs. It doesn't matter. I am convinced in this moment I have heard an actual murder. Police arrive not 10 minutes later and rush upstairs. There's no one home. The unit is dark, and before they can decide how to make entry, the new occupant walks around the corner of the building. He'd been staying at his girlfriend's apartment two buildings over and was just coming home to change clothes and go to work. I can hear them having this conversation through my open kitchen window. The police demand he let them inspect the apartment, and after hearing them walk around for a few minutes, they leave, and the new tenant eventually goes to work around the same time as me. I ask what happened in his apartment, and he shrugs and tells me he hasn't even unpacked yet, and already, neighbors are calling in fake noise complaints. He believed this was an attempt to harass him by one of the building's racist older tenants, unaware it was me who called, or what I heard. (laughs) Before this, and while on graveyard shift for a few months, I was in my room on one of my days off. It was about three in the morning. I'm laying in bed, watching TV. To the left of the bed is a window, and to the right is my closet door. I had a thin Walmart mirror hanging on it. I hear footsteps above me and frown. The unit is vacant. I watch the neighbors move out. As I'm deciding how much to let this bother me, there's a sudden slam on the inside of my closet door so loud and so forceful, the mirror falls off and the window rattles. Wow. I say without an ounce of shame, I was shocked to find I had not wet or messed the bed. I was terrified and stunned. 
or one might even put it as in a state of awe and shock or whatever. I think dumbfounded and astounded. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Awestruck and dumbfounded. Awestruck and dumbfounded. <laughs> I did not know what to do, and it took forever to finally open the closet door and make sure I was alone. It had also become common for me to come home from work or the gym, shopping bags in hand, and try to unlock my front door from all the gym shopping. I would set the bags down, <laughs> unlock the deadbolt, bend to pick the bags up, and hear the deadbolt slam back into place. Not gently click, not roll back into the locked position, but lock with a loud snap. An annoying variation of this was actually getting the door open, pushing it all the way back, bending to get my bags, and as I moved forward, thinking the door was wide, running into it as it was swinging shut. Oof. I tested the crooked door frame theory, famous physics theory. The door mm. never behaved oddly under any circumstances, any other circumstances, only when I was trying to get inside the apartment. By themselves, these events wouldn't have me seeing the paranormal where it may not exist, but combined with the lucid nightmares and sleep paralysis, it was hard to see it any other way. Episodes of sleep paralysis included seeing corpses crawling out from under the bed to slide under my sheets and try to choke me, feeling small mouths nip at my fingers and toes, reaching my hand under my pillow to find a new sleeping position only to feel a stranger's hand already under there grasping for me. Oh, no. This just sounds like a bunch of kinks. Seeing large hulking shapes... (laughs) Seeing large hulking shapes bend over and whisper in my ear as the apartment was droned out in the screams and wails of people I could not see... (laughs) God, are you still imagining these as kinks? Is that why you're laughing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but also that one's just like ultra visceral. Yeah, and of course, being physically shaken like a rag doll by grotesque-looking gargoyle-type things, and the bizarre scratches and bruises I could not, in any other logical way, account for. Throughout this <laughs> entire ordeal, my wife was my wife. Throughout this entire ordeal, my life was becoming better. <laughs> <laughs> I was being promoted at work, I was paying off debts, and in general, life was becoming less stressful. I was also seeing a battery of doctors and psychiatrists who could not explain the sleep disturbances. When doctors ran out of suggestions, they advised I seek spiritual counsel. I did find a Catholic priest a friend highly recommended. He was a lovely man, and he did not even once during my recounting of events act or speak in a way that would make me think he doubted me. In fact, it was his advice that finally put a stop to everything for a few months. The apartment was quiet. My sleep and dreams were normal. I had almost forgotten about what had happened when I was startled awake at three in the morning. I could hear beeping and strange moan-like screams. Mm. Thinking my sleep disturbance was back, I ignored it and put a pillow over my head and went back to sleep. Not long after, I hear a loud bang and a slam, and I walk into the living room to see my neighbor has kicked in my door. They had to, because of how I had become used to barricading it. (laughs) They're yelling for me to get out. The building is on fire. The unit directly above mine is engulfed in flames. Oh, wow. I grab a robe and run outside to meet them. There's a loud crash. No one is sure what it is. It takes fire and medical a long time to arrive. The upstairs tenant is somehow alive, and they manage to get her down to the lawn where they do CPR for what seems like an hour. She died later that morning in the hospital. The crash was the left side of her bed frame falling through her floor. She was on the right side, pinned between the wall and her bed. The frame crashed through her floor, my ceiling, and landed where I was sleeping. 
Had it struck my head, I would have likely died. Paranormal activity has followed me my whole life and still does occasionally pop up in force now and then, but nothing like what I experienced during this time. Love your show. Please keep creating. So, my takeaway is that I think when Sean thought he was signing a lease, he was actually signing (laughs) a consent form for participation in a horror movie moment generator complex. (laughs) Exactly. Good (laughs) gracious, that is a lot to... The fact that, Sean, you were able to sleep at all ever again is astounding. Or function through your day-to-day life the way you were. Uh, Power to you, my goodness. If I were to have experienced these things, I would have messed and wet the bed. I do that sometimes anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cannot believe how frightening that must have been for you. And I'm glad you have survived to tell the tale. Hopefully, no further bad things have happened since then. Yeah. And good luck to you. Thanks for letting me uh, tease you a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much, Sean. And... uh yeah, Jake, take it away. Uh, yeah, next up, I've got a little tale from a friend of the show, Redacted, who emailed this to me instead of to the show. Uh, so I actually forgot about it until pretty recently. Mm. Let's see. Uh, I will add a content warning that this is an emergency medical responder story with all the trauma that goes with that. So if you're not feeling up for that, do feel free to jump mm. ahead to 30 minutes, 30 seconds. If you'd rather skip to something lighter. Alrighty, so it begins. I alternately believe... Crazy stress made me hallucinate or that I actually did have this one encounter. So in the fall of 2001, I was taking a semester off before starting college. Living at home, studying photo history and photography, and studying to become an EMT while doing volunteer riding shifts at the local ambulance corps. Most shifts ran 7 to 7, but to be exposed to more crews and higher call volume, I was riding 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Wednesdays. The day before Thanksgiving, we got a call between 3 and 4 in the afternoon for a motor vehicle incident on a common road, one I had driven down hundreds of times. Upon arrival, we had a 19-year-old white young man in a 99 Honda Accord, same year, make, and model as my car at the time, though mine was gray. He had been T-boned by a garbage truck. Months later, after investigation, it was ruled that the truck was not at fault. The kid had likely not fully stopped at the stop sign and didn't realize large vehicles Mm. looked like they were going slower than they are. Mm Mm-hmm. We had to work on the guy um, in the car at first. The fire department was removing the driver's side door. One of my partners was interviewing the truck driver to check he was okay. Me and the other began checking for vital signs and an airway. No breathing, no pulse. We gave rescue breaths with a bag valve mask and paramedics had shown up. And upon attaching their defibrillator found a shockable pulse, which meant we would continue. Um, we would definitely be continuing with CPR. We used the time pinned in the car to get him intubated, which matters really just because it meant I could consistently deliver breath through um, this bag valve mask constantly without taking breaks for chest compressions. Hmm. He was shocked multiple times. We got him out of the car and into the ambulance. I was seated at the head to give breaths. At some point, some blood had left his mouth and landed on his goatee. I remember that very clearly. Also, his Hmm. shorts. It was the first time I had witnessed priapism. This is uh, often related to spinal cord injuries. I looked it up. Uh, pressure on the cerebellum is the running explanation, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, that can happen. Uh, just specific imagery that stuck out in the teller's uh, memory because yeah. it comes up later. What is a uh, prior prism? Um, that is also, uh, in this case, it's also referred to as death erection. Um, it's just a, uh. a weird thing that can happen physiologically in specifically cases of spinal cord, in- spinal cord injuries and uh, oh, pressure yeah, yeah, on yeah. the cerebellum. Yikes, Tam. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to the hospital. Shortly, the ER doctors declared him dead. 
We came to the same ER later, maybe 7 p.m., and saw several of his family members with the body and crying in the hall. Mm. The shift went on. At 1 a.m., I was leaving the building alone as others would crash there until 7 a.m. It, uh, it was so cold that night, one of those crisp follows turning to winter nights with the smell I so strongly associate with that time of year. I turned right out of the core, heading up out of the core parking lot and basically had to drive straight downhill about a mile, then turn right to my parents' street. On the straight stretch, I was shivering. I hadn't really warmed the car up and just had this strong feeling. So I looked right to the passenger seat. Hmm. The 19-year-old was there. Same Whoa. blood stain on his goatee, same pale white skin, white t-shirt, blue basketball shorts. He was looking forward like any passenger would until I was clearly looking at him. He turned hmm. to me and said, well, thanks for the ride, then look forward again. I said, you're welcome, and looked forward, and in my head was like, for this ride? For the ride of his dead body to the hospital? Don't mm. look at him, don't look at him. And I kept my eyes glued forward, but still felt his presence all the way home. Mm. I ran in the house and woke my mother up, who apparently to this day thought it was just because I was upset because a patient died I cared for for the first time. Mm. Uh, she shared experiences she'd had as a nurse. I always think about it around that time of year, when it's chilly for the first time, and the air has mm. this smell. Wow. Yeah. I, that is pretty amazing what an experience mm -hmm. i can't even imagine being an emt i mean kudos to you yeah anyone else out there who is uh an emt or knows one or any any kind of uh medical professional i mean truly especially, especially yeah. these days having a handle so damn much but yeah even man, oh even man. during normal times that's just a lot mm -hmm. a lot to handle and mm -hmm. not something you or i could do so but what a story that's yeah. really uh pretty fascinating and as I say, could very easily just be a kind of trauma-induced thing from yeah. such a, a rough experience and for the first time, but uh, so striking in the specifics of it. Yeah, it feels like a waking dream almost or mm -hmm. something. Well, thank you very much for the story. Mm -hmm. Before we go on into... Uh, a couple more listener stories. Yes. It is long past time that we... Uh, Engage in a little something called... The, the Quaff! Welcome to the Quaff. This is a segment we love to do here, Super Duperstitious. Uh, we tend to, I think, occasionally drink a beer when we record the show, which is to say we drink a beer every single time we record the show. And uh, we finally sat down and decided to assess those beers on three very standardized metrics that most people will already be familiar with. Even if this is the first time you've ever heard the show, this is, this is, of course, these are common metrics that you hear when people talk about beers in general, and those metrics are physicality, what the beer looks like, how nice is it to behold, <laughs> and what doth our eyes see. <laughs> the next, of course, is chugability. Uh, how fast could you drink this beer? <laughs> that is taste. Did it taste like you could drink real fast or like not so much? And of course, so today we have on tap, we drink beer on the show all the time. We talk about beer when we do the quaff. And more recently, we've been talking about a beer company that's been sponsoring us. Well, we haven't mentioned them yet this episode because we're doing the quaff with them for phantoms. For phantoms, that's right. It's some insider trading today. <laughs> we did not actually tell Drew we were doing this, but we are. He's going to have to deal with it anyway. This is your ad, Drew. We're doing the quaff with your beer. Heads up, buddy. 
And today, that specific beer is the Purple Potion. Mm-hmm. A very dangerous-looking beer, if I do say so myself. The Boysenberry Sour Ale with Lavender. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boysenberry, I guess. We yeah. got ourselves here. Physicality for the can. So on the can we have, I don't remember the character class of this particular individual or her name. I think she might be a rogue. I don't actually know. Um, like a rogue scholar, if you ask me. Yeah. Because um, I know uh, Dirtweed has a tiefling, and mm-hmm. the stouts have that, I think it's an orc. She looks to be full human. Yes. Oh, it's the Baroness. Is um, The Baroness. All right. That's what her name is. Uh, oh, she's uh, a sorceress. Okay. Oh, uh, that'll do it. That'll do it. I was going to say rogue seems a little... It's like a high-class rogue. Yeah, I feel like rogues can do whatever the hell wants. She seems like she's, she's got, like got some... Thief, some thief a cheeky streak. I don't know. <laughs> Gross. Let's just open the beer here. <laughs> but yes, it's an image of her holding in her hand a small glass with what looks to be the titular potion. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to open it up. Oh, yeah. Pour mm. some my way, please. Okay, I'm going to pour it on the screen. Hope you get it. <laughs> Ooh, it looks good. Oh, it pours so quietly into a full-size glass. It's not the same it as the little guy's. But not wow, quite. look at that color. That is a purple potion right there. All right, Jake. For physicality, I think we should give this one a conflict of interest out of 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think this gets a conflict of interest out of 10. Um, I cannot publicly disclose whether I like or dislike the look of this very beautiful beer that I think looks so good. It really does. Now, the artwork on all their cans are really fun. We've mentioned it before. The artwork is awesome. And the, the beer the itself beer is itself. just... Ooh, and, and especially in this lamplight I have here. Ooh, I love that. Um, it's a shimmering raspberry red. Mm-hmm. Purple, perhaps. Boy, one boysenberry. Even say. Boysenberry purple. <laughs> Let's try chuckability. <laughs> the thing I said with this beer. I know, Mr. Shell. Sours are not necessarily your favorite. Well, I, am, I like sours fine. Okay, I am still learning to uh, enjoy sours, but like this, learning to love them. Yeah, I. There, How has the potion affected your opinions? It's definitely turned me on to sours more, and I'm not just Gross. saying that because of money. I, <laughs> I am. I genuinely really like purple potion, and uh, I also will say I do not usually care for floral stuff. When there are cocktails with elderflower liqueur and all that stuff, I'm usually uh, not so into it. Rose water stuff like that. Not mm-hmm, a fan. Mm-hmm. The lavender it's a dangerous, in, a dangerous uh, component in any mixture. Mm-hmm. The lavender in this, I am super digging. I would give this a chuckability of six. Yeah, I'd say it's up there. Nor- a normal sour, I put down lower. And I think we usually put like you know imperial stouts and stuff into like the negative numbers sometimes. But uh, this one, I would probably also give a six. And uh, yeah, it is uh, sour but delicious. Sweet but not too sweet. Lavender bruh, comes in mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, adds that, adds that floral component. And, um, yeah. And uh, what would you say about this beer's joie de vivre? Uh, I would say high class rogue. And I would say Drew. And this has been <laughs> the Quaff. Uh, so that's our ad for Four Phantoms in addition to the Quaff. Uh, Check out Four Phantoms Brewing. If you're anywhere near Western Mass, you should go check them out. Also, please do leave a review for them on Untapped. Thank you, Drew. 
Thank you for phantoms. And goodbye. <laughs> Shall we jump back into Storize? Mm -hmm. This next one comes from Casey. The title, Ghost at Mount Monadnock. Friend of the show, Casey. Hey, what's up? Hey, guys. Introduced to the podcast a few months ago and loved the show. I listen a lot while I'm at work, organizing in a mildly creepy warehouse. The Lake of the Clouds episode made me want to share my own experience of what I believe to be a ghost on a trail. Mm -hmm. In 2011, I worked for the New Hampshire Conservation Corps. My crew of six was fixing a stretch of a stone staircase on the Marlboro Trail on Mount Monadnock. It's about two miles in, right before you get to the first vista on your way up. It was mid-October and a drizzly, rainy morning. We hiked into the site at about eight. Shortly after starting our own projects in teams of two along the section of trail, a young woman walks down the path away from the summit. She was wearing pajama shorts, a camisole, and she was barefoot. She had no gear or water. It was probably around only 40 or 45 degrees that morning. I was not the only one to see her. She walked right through the trail our crew was working on. We passed no one else that morning going up and saw no signs of anyone else for, hour, uh, for hours later. I'm a science-based person and also hold strong spiritual beliefs. I've had other paranormal experiences throughout my life and was raised to be both open-minded and skeptical because even if the story you're hearing doesn't quite sound true, it might just be a fascinating story and there's value in that as well. Mm-hmm. Your references to Shadowlands and UFO Clearinghouse are nostalgic for me. Thanks, Dad, <laughs> she says in parentheses. And the podcast covers what is familiar and new, so I appreciate what you all are doing. Thanks for the entertainment. Also, Four Phantoms is super tasty beer. Glad you all are supporting each other. Well, thank you, Casey. Yeah. Now, this is a question for you, Wyatt. Is uh, Casey the reason we have Four Phantoms as a sponsor? Did she introduce yes. Drew to the show? That is 110% true. Yay. <laughs> So thank you, Casey. Yeah. Um, thanks for lining our pockets with all that Lamborghini money. <laughs> I do want to mention the episode that Casey was referring to, episode 96, Sedimentary, my dear Watson, uh, when go. I talk about a, a ghost story on Mount Washington in New Hampshire, so Mount Monadnock, mm. also part of the White Mountains. And uh, yeah, have you hiked Monadnock before? Monadnock. I want to say I have, I but think it has been a while. Lauren, have we done Monadnock? I don't know if we did, or Musilaki, we did Musilaki, not Madnadnock. But yeah, the White Mountains, like, they're not super easy hikes. So someone just kind of wandering barefoot down the mountain is a pretty strange thing to encounter. Right. It kind of reminds me of a time Lauren and I were hiking in Acadia uh, in Maine mm. and um, coming down a, um, like, some kind of ridge trail. Very cool, very scenic, and pretty uh, precarious. There are a lot of areas where they're just, like, iron ladders built into rocks yeah, to Acadia climb down. Yeah, gives no shits about your climbing ability. They're oh, like... <laughs> hike at your own risk see you later <laughs> and so we're on our way down this like pretty cool but fairly intense sort of trip. i mean not not like you know straight up climbing kind of stuff but like yeah there were iron ladders there were just areas where it's like okay this is just some serious yeah, business if I, if I royally fuck this up i'm maybe not going home today exactly a lot of areas where you could fall to your death handily we're like halfway down and these college kids are coming up and like some of them I think were in flip flops. One of them, they didn't have like one of them had a water bottle. One just had a, I was just carrying a Frisbee and nothing else. And like, oh, does this trail Critical go climbing gear. <laughs> yeah. This trail go all the way to the top. And we're like, yeah, but it's like, okay, cool. Thanks. And they just went past us like, all right. <laughs> Dude, just throwing the Frisbee on the ladder. Like, <laughs> yeah. Woo. <laughs> 
Um, wow. I'm being told that Monadnock is not that big and also not one of the White Mountains. But it is, uh, it's near Keene, New Hampshire. But um, anyways, <laughs> the, the Acadia <laughs> thing, uh, if anyone can just zoom up a mountain with nothing more than a frisbee and some flip-flops, it is college students. It is college students. That would be my wager as well. And or very early morning walkabout local or ghost. Or ghost. That's right. You may have bumped into a group of ghosts, Jake. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, <laughs> but no, of course. That could not possibly be. Jake, you have another story? <laughs> I do have another story. This one comes from Michelle from Michelle Anderson, who was badgered into listening to our bullshit show by her sister, Audrey. Much like the Matrix, Michelle Anderson, as the guy famously says. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thanks to both of you, even if you, Audrey, have gone mad with power. So Michelle says... I have a creepy tale for you. Let me preface it by uh, preface by saying I don't subscribe to paranormal slash supernatural slash strict religious beliefs, but damn if that paranormal activity movie franchise doesn't get me every time. Oh yeah, what a crazy boyfriend, by the way. That guy is a psychopath. <laughs> uh-huh. He's the real demon in the story, if you ask me. <laughs> Who the hell has those experiences and goes like, "Come on, demons, hit me harder next time." Like, <laughs> dude, break up with that guy. Anyway, go on. I mean, I feel like any of the guys from uh, Ghost Adventures, but. I digress. Oh, yes. <laughs> that as well. That as well is true. But it's just the go-to move. Uh, now we travel back to the distant past. My college years, circa 2012. As poor youth, my BFF and I shared a basement room. This is a normal, if not nicer looking, townhouse we shared with two other roomies. The basement is finished and not creepy until it became super creepy. My friend would go downstairs uh, to sleep. Bef- huh? Spoiler alert. Jeez. <laughs> My friend would go downstairs to sleep before me, meaning I would walk down to the basement in the dark. Usually that wasn't a problem. I could find my way with the dim light of my phone screen. I can't tell you when or why it started, but I began to be terrified that I would find a dark figure looming over my friend's bed. I felt an intense dread going down to bed every night, sure that I would see this thing at her bedside. Mm. So I decided that the best solution would be to shine my flashlight on her each night just to be sure nothing was there. The light never disturbed her that I could see, so I kept this nightly routine up for weeks. It was an irrational fear, so I never brought it up to her because I'm a strong, independent lady who don't need no Ghostbusters. <laughs> One afternoon, I regale my Hell friend yeah. with a super interesting dream I had because people love hearing about other people's dreams, right? Since we're talking dreams, my friend decides to tell me she's been having nightmares for the past few weeks. I'm like, that sucks. What about? Well... In her nightmare, she's in our room, in her bed, and there's a horrible dark figure just standing, looking over her bed. God. Naturally, I shit my pants and tell her I've been irrationally afraid of that exact scenario every night I come down to bed. We freak the fuck out, call my uncle who was a pastor, and ask for his advice. He mm-hmm. told us to go to bed at the same time and read the Bible out loud. To his credit, he didn't say there was a demon haunting us for our sinful college ways, but just offered gentle and kind support. We didn't seek out any specific Bible verses. I think we just guessed that Psalms would be good enough. We did read the Bible out loud that night, and my fears were uh, were my fears subsided, and her nightmares stopped. Hmm. Uh, The only creepy thing that remained was our memory of the experience. I don't Mm -hmm. believe this was a demon or ghost, but some type of weird psychological phenomenon. Maybe you guys know a little more about what could have occurred. It was definitely the creepiest "quote unquote" paranormal experience I've had. Hmm. Definitely a spooky thing to be just. Randomly picturing this super creepy thing uh, over and over again, and then 
have it independently corroborated. Spontaneously corroborated. Yeah. yeah, very much so. No fun. Um, no fun at all. I guess I would wonder if you guys had consumed similar media recently. Mm. Perhaps uh, seen the actual ghost that was living there. Yeah, if you had both seen occasions. the same ghost uh, independently before that, then it's more likely that you would have probably then had thoughts about it or a dream about seeing that ghost again. So, Which would also explain the Bible verse worked. Right. So you clearly got lucky on that. So, so most mean, likely you guys are both primed for the experience, which happens a lot on the show. You know, priming is often a way that people think they see a thing. Primed by having seen the same ghost uh, independently beforehand. So that's that's what happened. Pretty much that. Yeah. That's like put a bow on it right there. <laughs> and um, that is no, it for always spooky. Yes. Thanks for your story. Mm-hmm. And yes, Jake, shut it down for us. I was gonna say that that's I think it for listener stories. If you gave us a listener story and we have forgotten to include it somehow here, please do immediately harass us about it because we did not mean to exclude it. Just digging through our emails and uh, I thought I got everything, but. If you are a listener with a story and you want us to read it on here, we would be happy to do so. Oh, yes. Don't just give them all the real-life ghost stories. We do them, too. That's right. uh, We tell true experience spooky tales. What? Oh, it'll (laughs) it'll hit you later on tonight. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So thanks for listening to this show that we are, as we're recording it, remembering how to do. Uh, We hope... Barely. (laughs) More or less... We remembered how to hit record, at least. Yes. Um, uh, as always, please do go on to uh, your podcatcher app, especially Apple Podcasts, and rate and review. That helps us in a big way to oh, yes. find new listeners. We've seen some of you doing that. It's it's super great. We love it. Again, about the merch giveaway, we want to encourage people to keep participating in all of the current social justice movements that are so important and uh, you know, not, not lose momentum. And so if you want to sign a petition, uh, do any of that stuff, we have links. We'll, we'll include some links again in this in this episode, but definitely last week's um, No Justice, No Peace post. Lots of links right. you can follow there, too. Anything you can think of, you can find. Sign petitions. Donate to causes if you can. Show us what you did. Entry to win. Whatever you want from our store. We'll announce winners at the end of July. Going to be cool. If you live in the Portland, Oregon area, please stay safe. Uh, we're all yeah, thinking of you as things stay safe. as Seriously. you become just the practice ground for a whole new form of bullshit. Fascist control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if folks want to donate to bail funds there, that's definitely a good focus. A website I recently found that's really cool is called showingupforracialjustice.org. You can search around and see what kind of stuff is up that you can do to help locally where you live. So I'm going to link to that this week. While we've got you, make sure you're registered to vote. And make sure you know where you're meant to vote come November. Yes, and even before November, too. If you have any local elections coming up here in Minneapolis, we have primaries happening. There you go. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Tune in next week, and we're going to talk about some some outer space-related stuff based on... Chase, thank you for your suggestions on that. We're going to talk about that next time. Yes, looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, so look forward to seeing us then. (laughs) Oh, God. So look forward to seeing us then, and uh, (laughs) thanks for showing up today, and uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.